Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. Welcome to this series of a great subject that I hope will be of great, great value to Christians and church people everywhere. This is such a dramatic issue. It's such a challenge right now, particularly here in America, but also elsewhere. The series we're looking at here is the 12 Broken Bridges, New Pathways to Restore Spiritual Vitality to Your Church. I just want to begin by saying that, you know, Jesus said the harvest is large. And I don't think anybody wants to debate with Jesus about that. I think the media has many Christians duped to believe that most people in our country, in our world today, just could care less about hearing from people about God. Just don't care about the faith. Just aren't interested in church. You know what? That's the lie of the enemy. I'm sure of it because we know people are more receptive than anybody would believe. And it becomes more receptive every day in the hearts and lives of people in this nation. There's just too much going on that's not so good. Things that our people are struggling with, challenges that we see in the news, just horrible the way people act. All of this is a huge, huge challenge. And so your challenge is really the bridges to tell people are broken. The bridges that we use are are just been destroyed by a changing world. They just don't work. And so they're worn out. But God has always the real pathway around your broken bridges. And that's what this is all about. You know, God's pathway to heaven is, of course, Jesus, the Savior. And God's bridge to introduce Jesus to people is your church, the local church. And each piece of that wonderful bridge, that divinely created bridge called the church, is a person like you, like me, like everyone that you see around you in church. Every piece of every Christian is a personal relationship with Jesus on the one hand, and that relationship is nourished by lifelong regular Bible study. And on the other hand, that other piece is that relationship with people who don't yet know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Wow, I'm telling you what, (laughs) after consulting about 1,600 churches from 77 different denominations, independent and non-denominational churches, believe me, there are some broken bridges, broken approaches. And we've picked out 12 that are big ones and they can be frequently identified. So let's get started. This is Broken Bridge number one. Most pastors are trained for a world that hasn't existed for 500 years. I don't mean overcritical here. I don't wanna be, you know, too harsh on pastors. I love them. I was one. I have been there. I've done that. But I'll tell you what, it's not true of every Bible college or seminary, but there are so many training institutions for pastors that are a broken bridge that are broken methodologies. Now, I mean no offense, but Jesus, you know, he appeared in the flesh and he made a major statement about relevance, how Christianity is supposed to be relevant. Showed up like a human being in Israel, a real place, and dressed like the people and ate food and drank wine, all this stuff. So God declares in Jesus that he wants 
a relevant approach that works, that changes people. And of course, throughout history, there are millions of examples of how this gospel works when the bridge or the pathway is healthy, is right, is relevant, is on target for the time and for the people you're trying to reach. And I'll tell you what, there's no question about it. God wants results. Jesus cursed that tree that didn't produce fruit. Remember that in the Bible? What would he do with churches that can't gather a harvest, a harvest that's ripe? Now, this episode is about pastors being trained in antiquated approaches. But I want to say right now, in most cases, it's not your pastor's fault. It's the training system. And here's something you can write down and put it on your wall or write it on the back of your hand and keep it forever. Just a couple of phrases, very simple. Biblical principles must never change or you lose your power. But that's not the only one. Here's number two. Methods must continually change or you lose your presence. Let me repeat that. Biblical principles must never change or you lose your power. But methods must continually change or you lose your presence. You lose authenticity. You lose credibility. You lose the attention of your audience. That audience is people for whom Jesus died. Well, what happened to this broken bridge, number one? Why aren't pastors trained for today's mission field? <laughs> Great question. Why are most pastors trained to be managers of Christians, not equippers of missionaries for this mission field? We're going to look at some issues, five of them. Issue number one, Christians, somewhere along the line, believe this subtle lie. My country is a Christian country. Was it ever? Well, not entirely. There was always people to be reached, even if you have to leave the 99 and go after just one. If there's someone who's not a Christian in your world, in your relationships, in your social network, God is not finished with you. You have work to do. I don't know if our country was ever a Christian nation, but it was mostly Christian. That sort of shaped stuff, shaped the laws, shaped the behavior, shaped a lot of things that are in our history. But most people would clearly understand, not anymore. And you know what? We're culpable for this, we Christians. Yeah, yeah, this is partly our fault. You can blame the government. You can blame the left. You can blame whatever you want to blame. Blame the right. I don't know. We make up stuff. How about looking in the mirror? We have blown it as Christians. We have lost our nation. And so part of that deal is pastors are challenged because we did get this false notion that we're a Christian nation, and it was probably just assumed the enemy in a subtle way has duped us. So that's issue number one that led to the real issue of this first broken bridge that pastors are not trained properly. But there's more. Number two. Issue number two is the training institutions for pastors actually believe this joke about how, you know, we're a Christian nation, everybody's a Christian. And so they believe they should train pastors in methods. 
And those methods were what worked for the time, that time and in that day in history. But I got news for you. Methods change. Methods have to change. Methods must continually change, as I said a couple of minutes ago. So these institutions did not train pastors as missionaries. So how could pastors, God bless them, how could pastors ever train people to be missionaries if they were never trained themselves? It's totally unfair. It's cruel what we've done to pastors. It's an abomination before God what we've done with pastors. Issue number three, the mission field in the minds of Americans, by and large, not everybody, but the mission field became designated as over there somewhere, you know, far away, yeah. And we use the term foreign missions. <laughs> a mission is when you see your neighbor at the coffee shop and is not a Christian and you can sit down and share what God's done in your life. That's a mission. But no, we said, to, ah, forget your neighbor. Nah, skip that. It's probably a closet Christian. Who knows? Who cares? The mission field is over there in the foreign place, foreign missions. And so if you want to be a missionary pastor, well, that meant you got to go overseas. So if you work through that, you can be a missionary pastor. And oh, by the way, now that you're done with seminary or Bible college and you're a real ordained pastor, now you have to go to mission school to learn missions. But that's only if you're going overseas. Yeah, we wouldn't want to bother training you for that here. No, we didn't do that. No, I know I was a candidate. Yeah, I was a casualty. Yeah, I didn't get it. I came out of seminary with a heart for missions and didn't have a clue. Not a clue what to do. Yeah, I know I've been there. And I did go to mission school after that, but not to go overseas but to reach out to people who lived right across the street from me in the inner city of Detroit, right all around our church in Detroit. People who are unchurched, of a different culture. Yeah, we were in the mission field, but nobody, nobody equipped me. I was a casualty. I understand. I understand how pastors feel. Terribly unfair, just critically unfair. Number four, issue number four, Bible colleges and seminaries focused on academics. Yeah, that's the way we're supposed to raise up the next generation. Forget about what Jesus did in discipling people. Yeah, that's not a model we'd want to follow. We want to do the scholastic model from Europe and uh, go into highbrow degrees. Yeah, we want to require a Master of Divinity degree, which is fine. You know, I got a PhD and then some. I'm all for education, but if that's the substitute for discipling, Oh, man, have we made a huge mistake. And we have in most cases. So we got this classical style of education. What is that style? I teach. You sit there and learn. And so who's the I? Oh, those are professors. That's what we call them. <laughs> yeah, the, we call them lecturers. Yeah, we have exams. We get grades. We're just academia up to our eyeballs. And how does that relate with what Jesus modeled? In fact, how does that relate? If you visit any kind of great movement of God, any kind of revival taking any place in the world, do you really think these people are all PhDs that are building churches with hundreds of thousands of people? Heck, most of these people haven't even had a high school education. Now, I'm not downgrading education. I'm highly educated. I get that. And some people should be, and they ought to do some podcasts. They ought to write books. They ought to be those clarion prophets who speak out and say, this ain't working anymore, people. 
This needs to be changed. Then it's not fair. It's not fair to our pastors, and it's certainly not fair to Jesus who died for those lost people. And so in those schools of education, there was very little or even no emphasis on modeling or spiritual development or discipling. I never had a professor who discipled me in anything. I never had a professor who challenged me to see if I was reading scripture every day and appropriating that to my life. Oh no, they tested me on other stuff, other books, academia books, and that's all fine. But it was in the absence of anything that Jesus did, modeled, Paul did, modeled, Missionaries in any revival anywhere in the world do and model. So no wonder pastors don't know how to disciple, because discipling is a lifestyle caught more than taught. It's not just a bunch of head knowledge. And so since pastors only know taught, not caught, what do we do in preparing people to be members of the church, whether they be young kids or adults? We put them through a membership class. And what do pastors do? They preach at people in large numbers. You can't disciple a crowd. It's a one-on-one job. But if you do it a few times and you've got other disciples who will disciple other people and it can multiply and it can work in the church, but it'll never happen unless you start the process. And pastors never were modeled in the process. Not at school anyway. So no wonder pastors don't know how to disciple. Yep, it's a lifestyle more caught than taught. You know what's really crazy about the world we live in? Plumbers disciple. They may not call it that, but they do. Carpenters do too. So do doctors. They all disciple. Whatever they call it, they have apprentices. I mean, come on. Have you ever been in a hospital and seen a doctor going around that's the guy? He's the guy that's been through it all and had all kinds of experience. And trailing around him like a couple of puppy dogs is two guys or two gals that are training to be medical doctors. Yeah, they've been through a lot of education, but you don't want them to touch you in the surgical table if if they've just read a book. This is Jesus' idea. This is his plan, and it works. It works really, really well when you follow the book, when you follow the model, when you follow Jesus. Yeah, it works really, really well. And so Jesus' idea was to just help people and to teach them along the way. In fact, when you try doing it and you see it's so hard, you become a pretty eager learner rather than just a student in a classroom trying to get a grade, trying to get a degree, trying to get a job that's really supposed to be a calling. You know, have you ever thought about it? You get on an airplane and the pilot gets on the uh, intercom and he says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're on our way to, you know, whatever city and um, Sit back, relax, you know, it looks like smooth uh, flying today. We got good weather, a little tailwind. We might get there a little bit early. And the pilot says, yeah, um, I've taken all the classes. I got all A's and all. I read all the books on how to fly a plane. I've actually never done it before, and this is my first flight. So celebrate with me and sit back and relax. Have a great flight. And uh, I'm just so excited to be flying a plane for the first time. Yep, that's the way most pastors start out. Oh, maybe they do a little internship, but most of those don't have any discipling. It's absolutely the devil's plan. I'm sorry. Don't mean to be unkind. Don't mean to be critical. But for God's sake, I mean, literally, that's not a a bad use of the terminology, please. 
for the sake of our God, for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of his mission, why can't we get this? We just overthink stuff too much. Jesus had one main big idea, make disciples who become disciplers, who disciple others. And it's absolutely the key to multiplication. You want your church to have great impact on your community? The answer is not preach at people alone. It is to disciple disciplers who disciple people and get that body of Christ, the priesthood of all believers, get those people trained and equipped on the job. And so it is anywhere you look, anywhere in the world, revival's taking place. And what do you see? I mean, I've been all over the world. I've trained pastors in revival movements where they were just short on training and asked a group of us to come over and teach them for like eight, nine hours a day for 10 straight days or something like that. All over the world, literally, every continent except Antarctica. There's no churches there. But if you see that, what you see, one common thread is these people read the book. They got the idea. They're mirroring what Jesus did. They're discipling. I'll never forget just one story about this. I was asked a couple of times to go to a movement that was taking place in northeastern Africa. And there was a leader of this. Bishop Francis is his name. Just a marvelous leader. And he had a conference with people who had a heart for mission and wanted to learn more, uh, pastors uh, from I don't know, maybe eight or nine countries in that northeast corner of the continent of Africa. And it was in northern Kenya, and it was uh, a great conference, and it went on for several days. And, of course, we needed interpreters. And so as a main speaker, one of the main speakers, I had an interpreter. He was assigned to me, and his name was Paul. During the 10 days that we were there, Paul, my interpreter, very, very good, very qualified. English, very, very strong understood what I was saying and could almost translate simultaneous to what I said. And there are interpreters. I've had them before in places like Brazil and and Nigeria and other places where we've been, where they just are so good, they can interpret while you're speaking. It's a bit of an art. It really is. It's a discipline. It's fantastic. So I had this guy, Paul. He was great, okay? But I noticed very early on that this guy was working with a guy by the name of Robert. And when I did a breakout session, Robert was my interpreter, and Paul was there to watch. And so Robert was being discipled to be an interpreter by Paul. And I thought, well, how cool is that? When have I seen that around an American church where someone's following along someone else? You know, let's say even an usher or a greeter that would have someone standing next to them who's learning the ministry. Or, God forbid, that a pastor would ever take someone to the hospital to visit someone and take someone along with them simply to equip them to do hospital ministry. You know, that would be an amazing thing. But I saw this Paul actually mentoring Robert, and Robert was along the way on this mentoring, on this discipling, and so he could do the breakout session. Now, Paul wasn't going to give him the main session with hundreds and hundreds of pastors there, but he was going to give him a little step there, and boy, Paul was right there by his side, nearby, that if Robert had a challenge, he was there to interpret for him if I said a word that Robert didn't get. But then, as I noticed, as the time went on in this 10 days, I noticed Robert had an understudy, or whatever you want to call it, a disciple by the name of Hezram. 
Hezron was a younger guy. I don't know. I, it's hard for me to tell in another culture, but I'd say he was about maybe a high school guy. But he was learning to interpret. And I noticed that when some of the other people on our team who had smaller breakout sessions, Hezron was also able to interpret. And he had, of course, Robert right next to him. But he was given a smaller group and probably more input from Robert. But that was going on. Now, if that wasn't enough, I just have to finish this story with Hezram had a little guy. I don't know. This kid must have been in, again, it's hard for me to tell ages, but I, I would say the kid was in <laughs> maybe what we would say in our country around eighth grade age. I mean, he was just a little guy. And Hezram was always sitting with him in the crowd when Paul was my interpreter. He was observing, and I could see him whispering to him. He was teaching him while I was teaching the pastors. He was teaching him how to interpret. And James never did take a group. He wasn't there yet as a little kid, but he was on his way. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think these guys are ever going to run out of interpreters with this kind of a style? And you might say, wow, that is fantastic. That is so extraordinary. No, it isn't. It's the simple, basic, rudimentary way that Jesus told us to run the church. And my subject of pastors, how much of that did they get? You know the answer. So how much of that do they do? You know the answer. So how does that mess up the church? You better believe you can get the answer out of that. Issue number five, today's pastors are crippled. They're coming around full circle here. These guys are crippled. Men and women who love Jesus, called the ministry, crippled. Here's the deal. They're worn out by worn out methods. They're antiquated by antiquated styles. They're stalled because they have no mission training. Ironically, they live on the third largest mission field in the world behind China and India. And then you have the USA, pagan world that it's becoming. Number four, they've had no modeling or discipleship. So they're worn out, antiquated, no mission training, and no modeling for discipleship. So they don't know how to disciple. It is foreign to them. How ironic because in every church, practically every church, has the purpose statement in their constitution to make disciples. And pastors never got it, so they can't give it. So here is the perfect plan for massive failure. And yes, in most churches, that's what we're seeing today. Sadly, it's just a tragedy. So God's bridge for pastors is a new pathway. We've got to have a new pathway, folks. And here's what you can do. If you're not a pastor, you love your pastor. And then you support your pastor. And then, most of all, if you're going to support your pastor, you get your pastor help. In most cases, your pastor was equipped for maintenance at best, programmed for failure at worst. And I don't mean that uncruelly. I have the highest respect for pastors. These people have given their lives for Jesus. You need to respect them too. So get them help. Get an intervention in your church and pray for your pastor. That might be the most important thing. Pastors, by and large, are the most committed people in the world. Let's get behind them. Let's help them lead their people to build a new bridge of leadership for this mission field, a new bridge called making disciples. It's an old bridge that Jesus built but it's new with every new day, every new opportunity, every non-Christian we meet, every person that 
every day is in our world, in our social networks, is an opportunity to reach out. And if we don't fix that strategy of that key person, the quarterback, our pastors, we just can't get it done. You think and pray about that, will you? Our next episode, we'll look at one of the greatest crises facing the church, the loss of tens of thousands of pastors through retirement. Until then, do yourself a favor. Do your church a favor. Search your heart and search your Bible for God's pathway around your broken bridges. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.